And this episode of The Rise to the Top with my special guest, Barbara Corcoran, is sponsored by our great and good friends at GoToMeeting. Now, unless you're living under a rock, all right, you, you definitely know that GoToMeeting is the easiest way to have online meetings. But did you know, FYI, that it is also the, ba the best way to do it face to face because of HD faces. No more imagining that person you're talking to naked. You can actually see them now naked if you want to. You know, maybe that's... Yeah, it's just me. Maybe I'm just weird. But here's the thing. Give it a shot. 45-day free trial on me. Head over to gotomeeting.com. Click the Try It Free button. Enter the promo code RISE. Click, click, boom. All right. Well, welcome, my friends. This is the Rise to the Top. Uncensored, uncut, unconventional conversations with badass entrepreneurs. I'm David Setman Garland, your host and guide. This is episode number 312 that is we're, we're getting up there in the numbers my friend I, I'm, I'm getting old here but uh, the idea here if you're new to the show or you just came in it's your first time which is hard to believe uh, really you know the entire purpose of the rise to top is I track down interesting you know kind of outside the box cool entrepreneurs and we just have real casual fun conversations you know it's not edited it's not um, you know anything like that we try to keep it real very real here on the rise to top so we're going to hop, hop, hoppity uh, right into this with Barbara Corcoran today. I uh, just filmed this last Friday, so we, we had a blast, uh, and I mentioned that just because Barbara mentions the weekend coming up, and if you're watching this on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, you're going to be like, what is going on? She keeps talking about Friday and Saturday, so uh, filmed it on Friday, uh, and also just a quick FYI for Rise Nation, for all the subscribers, listeners, viewers out there, new scheduling begins really with this episode, but really the next episode. So uh, this episode uh, is the last of the old scheduling. New scheduling, so now new episodes of The Rise to the Top are going to be going up every Wednesday. So every Wednesday, there's going to be a new episode for you. There's a change up in the scheduling. Really, honestly, the only reason, so you know, in case you're on iTunes or other places and you're like, why am I getting an episode on Wednesday? Um, because that didn't used to be our schedule. The reason for it, honestly, is we're going for quality over quantity not that there wasn't quality of course in the past but doing one just unbelievably awesome fun conversation a week for you guys uh and, and that's re that's really what it's all about it's that simple so every wednesday keep an eye on that for as well all right barbara corcoran so in case you uh want a, a few credentials on barbara corcoran she she had straight d's in high school and college and 20 jobs two o. By the time she turned 23, it was her next job, though, that made her one of the most successful entrepreneurs in the country. She took a $1,000 loan to start the Corcoran Group. That's a real estate company. And she eventually parlayed that into a $5 billion real estate business, which she sold in 2001 for $66 million. 2001, $66 million dollars. She also uh, is a real estate contributor on NBC's Today Show. And really where I was introduced to Barbara, and I bet a lot of you were as well, was via ABC's Shark Tank, which just wrapped up its third season, and they now have back-to-back -back seasons coming up. And, and that's where I met her. And she's she's invested in numerous business on the show. Uh, I believe 14 is the number of businesses that she's invested in. Uh, and that's where a lot of us have, have seen Barbara. And, you know, she's she's an author. Her book Shark Tales is awesome. We talk about it in this upcoming conversation. And uh, there's a lot more to Barbara. And really, in this chat, we talk about 
that that thousand dollars what happened at thousand dollars and how she turned that into a billion dollar real estate empire we go behind the scenes at shark tank and i think she tells me something she wasn't supposed to but that's okay we uh we have that on there no editing we go no editing so we talk shark tank she has an unbelievable story about getting on there and also what really happens and why she invests in people and also some of your questions that you submitted on facebook and twitter and all kinds of places via email got a million questions for barbara so i curated if I will, down to a few that we asked her. So without further ado, that was my long-winded intro today. Here it is, the conversation with Barbara Corcoran. Enjoy. So I think I have to raise the roof today. Barbara Corcoran in the house. Barbara, first of all, how are you? What's going on? Pretty good. It's Friday. That's always a good day. That, that, that is always a good day. You know, I, I figured we'd just start off. We had so many things we could cover today. Uh, but I thought, you know, what's exciting? What's going on with you right now that you're, you're super pumped about? I'm pumped about the entrepreneurs I'm working with because lately the ones that I thought were dark horses and maybe not coming through are starting to have a lot of stuff click for them. And we deserve it because we've been working so hard. But what I'm really pumped about is it's Friday. And after I do my work tomorrow morning, I'm out of here for the weekend. All right. Well, hey, nothing nothing more fun, though, than to have to do an interview on Friday, right? So nothing more fun than that. So you mentioned some of the the dark horses um, that, you you know, so how do you kind of go about that? Because you have so many companies that you, certain amount of companies you've invested in. um, You know, do you have, how do you keep that all kind of straight? Do you have like a certain schedule where you go and talk to one and the other? Or how does that work? Well, first of all, it's an attitude. My attitude is I'm here to help them with what they need help for. I'm not going to impose myself on anybody. They're running the business, and I certainly don't want to be working for them or them working for me. So that's number one. So I have an attitude of I'm here when you need me. However, I have a little check system, which is they have to report their sales on a monthly basis, what's going on, inventory counts. I keep an eye on certainly the basics of the business in a really peripheral kind of way. And then once every other month, I have an hour and a half Skype call with the entrepreneur and whoever on their team they want to be on the Skype call. I have my small team on the, on the Skype call as well. Mm-hmm. And we cover their agenda, not my agenda, but their agenda of what they need help with. And we get so much out of that. And we follow that up with a little to-do list. That's about as organized as we get, but it, it, it took keep a it while simple. to figure that out, but it works. Yeah, yeah keep, keeping it simple. Now, we've got to talk about some of the tales in your book, Shark Tales, which on a scale of one to awesome was about an awesome point five. I think I devoured it. In... What a bullshitter you are. Man. I'm not a bullshitter. Barbara, uh-huh. I was sitting there, asked my wife. I was sitting there like a crazy person going through it, okay? But no, seriously, it, 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 it's a good book, all right? No bullshit. <laughs> no bullshit on it. Um, but first and foremost, you know, a lot of people still are interested in that initial story, you know, because because one of the big things about your brand that we hear all the time is, you know, she started with a thousand dollars from a friend, which was a boyfriend, um, and and turns it into a billion dollar empire, right? Can you talk about um, and you talk about this in the book, but. Can you talk about what you did first with that initial money? Because I think that people are, are still kind of get lost in that. Like somehow they think you just planted a seed and then magic billion dollars came flying in or something no, like no, that. No, no, no. Between that magic seed and the million dollars, the first million that comes in, you know as well as I do, it's a hell of a lot of work. Absolutely. Okay. That's the filler in between. Yeah, but you know, my boyfriend, Ramon Simone, with an accent on each syllable, fancy boyfriend, loaned me the $1,000. And he found me in the diner the night I was wiping the counter. But good for me, I had put ribbons on my pigtails, my braided my little blonde hair into pigtails with bows because I was trying to track more guys to my counter because I was uh, competing with a terrible blonde bombshell at the next counter. I had giant breasts. So that was my thing. And she would balance coffee cups on each breast and two in each hand for a total of eight. So I had to compete. Well, thank God I had those ribbons. That's how he found me. But within a month, 
I was sleeping with the guy who was going to give me the $1,000 anyway, he claims, but I got my hands on the $1,000. He became my boyfriend, and together we started a rental company in New York City. All right, that's how it got started. So what did I do with the $1,000? I knew $1,000 was not a lot of money, but it was the most money I had ever seen in one place in my life. Right, and right. so what I did is I figured out how many ads I could buy in the New York Times, how big the ads would have to be, and at that point in time to get a three-line ad, the smallest you could buy, with a little headline, it cost me, I think, $127. So I divided the $1,000 by 127 I knew what my lifespan in the business was. I used my phone in my apartment, I put my first little ad in the New York Times, and that's how I spent the money, just doling out that little amount so I could put one little ad a week in the New York Times. However, more important than the ad was I took a one-bedroom apartment and convinced the owner of the building who couldn't rent this dog of an apartment on the third floor that he had to construct a half wall between the L in the living room and the rest of the living room. The den. advertised it as one-bedroom and den instead of one-bedroom. And so for my little ad that I should have probably gotten one or two phone calls for, I probably got 80 to 100 phone calls a day when I ran that ad. Because why would anybody call on the ad that said one-bedroom for three mm -hmm. One bedroom for three seventy. When they could call me and get one bedroom and den, which of course was the same damn apartment, for three seventy, the same price. So I cleaned up with that ad. And let me tell you something. I had my first rental within one week, which put me ahead of the game for three hundred and forty dollars. My first rental, three hundred and forty dollars. And I took that money and blew it on the fanciest coat I could find. And you know what? That was the best money spent. It was and a I red coat, right? Was it red? It, it wasn't red, oh, but it should have been red. It was a god-awful herringbone coat. I actually, someone just mailed me a picture of me in that coat, and it was worse than I remembered. God-awful rat hair on the collars and cuffs, but let me tell you, for me, coming from where I was coming from, it was the fanciest damn thing I ever saw, and I figured I was the fanciest woman in New York. And let me tell you, it gave me an attitude, which I really needed, because I felt like, whoa, look at me. I'm a successful business lady, and you know what? So much of that is your head. So I'm, I, I knew that was the best money spent, even though anybody watching would have said, that's reckless. But it was really well spent. Well, yeah, it was funny because I was reading it, and you were debating, right? You're in, you're like, I'm gonna either gonna yeah. spend this on the on on the coat, Guilt or I'm not. And I'm Guilt thinking there, yeah. and I'm thinking I would probably spend it on a coat because I, I I'm ridiculous <laughs> and out of control. But I'm like, Barbara's not gonna do it. She's gonna like invest it in another ad or something like that. And I'm like, she got the coat. And what's funny about that is you, this comes up. It's sort of a reoccurring theme throughout your story. Is yeah. that you know, you, you kind of, I don't want to say, it's not a fake it till you make it type thing, but it's more it's like you presented your attitude, you know, yeah. Donald Trump. There's different stories of people that you met, but you came in like you're the big dog. Like, you're, you, you know, is that just a confidence that you had or was it all the coat? I think it might have been the coat too. Uh, no, well, the coat certainly helped me feel like I was dressed for the part, but I also had a phenomenal imagination. And, you know, a lot of people can work off a business plan and they're very deductive, uh, reasoning type logical people, left brain. I am definitely not. I can still never even read a financial statement. That's why I no, never even look at the financials of the business I'm doing. I'm just hoping and praying if I drive up those sales, we're going to make a shitload of money. And right. usually I found with my own business it worked that way. But getting back to the visualization, for me, my business plan was always picturing me in four color of who I wanted to be when I got big and successful. And I always had that in my head like a cartoon figure in a way that I was always aspiring for. And for me, let me tell you something, that was better than a business plan because I'm very visual, I'm very like intuitive, I'm very like excitable, like, oh my God, let's see how far I could go. And you want to know something? I just pictured myself walking in, like for example, you mentioned Donald Trump the night I went up to him in the elevator because I 
put myself in hot water so I could get to meet him. Right. I insulted him through a report, so I knew he was going to call me in, and sure enough, he did. But believe me, I was shaking in that elevator and, and doing all that terrible self-talk about what the hell was I thinking? Why did I put myself here? But then I had the other side of me that kicked in, like, I'm going to be somebody. I'm going <laughs> to be somebody. My name's Barbara. I'm going to do it. <laughs> So that whole confidence thing, like, yeah, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. You know, you have to self-cheer yourself. That got me through the door. And you know what I found out about myself and anybody who's really successful? You often don't have the answers when you walk through the door. The real key is trying to figure a way where you'll shove yourself off the cliff or through the door. Because once you get in there, you're much smarter than you ever think you are. And people will always invent a solution under pressure. Mm -hmm. Not in the spa, but under pressure. And mm -hmm. so I always put myself in a hot pot. But remarkably, I always found a way out of it. But if I hadn't had the courage to shove myself into the pot, believe me, the business would have never been built as it was. Not even close. That was key. Right. And that's it. You always put yourself into like these, these interesting, sticky situations, if you will. You know, and then you mentioned, and I found this super interesting, right? Mm -hmm. Is like being a right-brainer myself, I, was, I found myself like nodding at, at a lot of these different things. And I'm sure left-brainers were probably having a heart attack. But either way, um, uh, is that you were- the Harvard MBAs of the world. Right. And we love them too, but you know, we're cooler. Um, so you, you mentioned in the book, though, that money isn't your driver. Right, yeah. like money wasn't your driver, and you and you mentioned some other things that were not your driver. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? I think you were like power and a couple other things. So, with that being said, like what what does drive you to kind of keep going and being successful? Like what 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 about it is like yeah that that gets me going. You know what I just love? I love to see success around me, and I love working with great people. You could put me in a poor house, but give me somebody nice to hang out with for eight hours a day, and I'm going to be a pretty happy worker. So what I love more than anything else about being in business for myself is I get to pick who I play with. I get to discover, you know, my wall back here. I don't know if you can see it. Well, I, oh, I forgot where I was. That's a hot red wall. I'm like, there's a hot red wall and a door, but it looks exciting, I think. Yeah. <laughs> you know what you can do? You can make your world exactly what you want it. And that gets me very excited because I sit around every working minute and I have a new idea and I picture a lot of things really nice. And so that for me, to feel like I am self-empowered to be able to make that happen, that's a turn on. And then it's just a sheer drive of seeing how far you could go. And that's not a matter of measuring money. It's just, just to see how many things you could try and what you could get away with, honestly. Because it's just a lot more exciting. But thank God I'm in business for myself. Imagine having that kind of a personality, God forbid, and working for some corporate uh, type company where you're just another person, oh my God, and not being able to be in control of your own destiny and take control in your own hands. Thank God for that. That's what gets me turned on. Control. And you can talk to my husband, Bill, who battles me for control every day of my life. He will back me up on that one for sure. He says it's my number one thing. I want control. Right. And it's funny, though, but you have control, but it's like friendly control. I don't know how to explain it more than that. Meaning, I have never That's seen control. so many flowers referenced in a business book in the history of mankind. Do you know really? what I mean? I flowers. Fla I no, I love flowers. There's some flowers over here that you can't see behind us here. But, that, you know, what's interesting is that, you know, a lot of people, there, there was a, there's, there's a tough side, it seems to you, and then there's also kind of like the, you know, there's a ha everything else, it seems happy and fun to me. Like, you made business kind of happy and fun. I mean, that seems to be sort of like your, your way to go. You go in, you see someone, you bring flowers. You're like schlepping through the street with flowers all the time. It seems like that's like a reoccurring Barbara theme, you know? Well, it's a, it's a deal sweetener, you know. If you can get people to like you, however you do it, they're going to buy from you. And remember, I was in the sales field. I was selling directly initially, then I was selling to recruit agents. Then I was selling to keep the agents so my big competitors didn't take them out. 
from me once they were really successful. I was selling clients. I was selling corporate America to send me that clients. I really saw myself as a salesman. So I was going to use whatever deal sweetener I could possibly get my hands on to make people like me. That was the goal. And you want to know something? I don't even think so much consciously I was ever really, I want to close this deal. I didn't have right. that kind of an angle on me, but I really wanted to do a great job. I just wanted to do a great job. And that gets people to a lot of great places. Yeah. yeah, no, it's funny. I mean, I, it reminded me of thinking uh, when I used I used to do a local TV show in St. Louis, where I'm from, and and uh, one year a sponsor was uh, maybe going to come back the next year, and I wasn't really thinking about, it, but I sent them brownies to thank them for it, oh, you know, thank for a sponsor, and it just did it because I love brownies, and I was like, they're going to like brownies. He calls me up and he says, you know, we were kind of on the fence, and he's like, the brownies did it. Uh, he's like, we're back, what, and that's not even that guy. wasn't my goal. My goal wasn't like fatten them up with brownies and then sell them more stuff. I mean, it was just like kind of like a thank you, and it's funny how that stuff works out. You know, oh, it's you a little thing. You like taking the order, I'm sure, right? Oh, yeah. So, you know, <laughs> sign that right <laughs> up. Come you, on. Honey, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, all right, so we've got to talk Shark Tank. Wait, um, before you talk Shark Tank, I want to say one thing about some comment you made. You talked about uh, fun, you know. I really discovered very early on, quite by accident, uh, by a stupid open bus ride through Harlem and scared the crap out of my fancy ladies with their jewels on, intentionally done. But I really discovered that if you can get your people outside the office having fun, you become the creative hotbed of your industry. We were always, year in, year out, the innovative company. And I'm telling you, I never got any of those ideas at my desk from my own brain. I never got them in a brainstorming session with my top managers. I got them all when we were laughing our asses off and doing something ridiculous. That's like, how like we got it. Like skating and almost falling in a lake? Is yeah, that what we're kind of talking about? Laughing about it for the next three years. We got it, uh, you know, insisting that people cross-dress for a party of a thousand agents, even though they swore they wouldn't come, because a lot of my men had issues with dressing like women. Well, guess what? If they didn't cross-dress, they weren't coming to the party, and they knew that. So they all cross-dressed. All right, so, but then that created a culture and a folklore of fun, and it also became a phenomenal recruiting tool. I mean, why would you work for my competitor when you have the same switch, the same big advertising, the same space, the same computer, when you could come over to my shop and have a ball. Mm -hmm. Why would you do it? So I really do think that the fun card is so underplayed in business today. Small business, large business, they just don't get it. It was my secret weapon really to build that big brand and to most importantly keep people with me. Nobody ever left my company unless I threw them the hell out which I had to do with somebody who was not producing. But we had no retention problems, and I'm telling you, it was the fun card. We who are tremendously creative, it was the fun card that made it happen. If I had to give up one last thing in my business, growing it today with my current entrepreneurs, I would never give up the fun card. Right. I mean, that is so powerful. Yeah, it's funny because also with real estate being a, and I'm putting this in my fun air quotes here, traditional in a lot of sense. You know, I, I had family, for example, involved in real estate, and I remember going to the office when I was five, six, seven, eight years old and thinking it was the most boring place in the history you of mankind. Right. Do you know what I mean? I'd play with paper clips on the floor and like count, I mean, it was miserable. And I was like, to me then, it was like real estate equals boring, right? But it was yeah. just the culture. They should have given you a can of paint, bright colored paint. You would have had a whole different impression. Right. Then you paint the cabinets. <laughs> right. But you see big companies, small companies, you know, something like Southwest Airlines, right? Like they're like, okay, you know what? They actually pay people a little less. That's a whole other story. But, you know, come on and you can have a blast on, on, the, on the plane. You can sing songs. Yeah. You can be a little awkward. It gets a little weird. Yeah. But bottom line is it looks like they're having fun. You know? Oh, yes, definitely. All right. So we've got to talk Shark Tank because um, it's funny. When the, when the show 
first started coming on, um, you know, that was another addictive show, and I'm not BSing on this again. As you know, Damon's been on the show before, and uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you, the story of you getting on the show, though, is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, it's one of the fair stories. A friend of mine told it to me, uh, actually, as if he was you, which was a whole other story <laughs> there. Um, but I would love to hear the story for people that don't know it, because people might think, you know, we just see the end product, right? We just see Barbara on TV being the badass shark. We don't see the shenanigans that happened that, that made this all happen. So can you, can you tell us a little bit about this? Because I, I, I am very excited to share this with people. Yeah, well, in a way, what happened with Shark Tank fit into my MO, because for me, all of my big successes were always on the heels of failure. And I kind of trained myself to think if I was really belly flopping on something, chances are that the, if I could look at that one flop again and, and reposition and really think about it, um, I would usually find something that would be an enormous success, but it never happened unless I had a flop. So for me, I now think of a flop as a good sign that something good is going to happen. So the flop I had at Shark Tank was I was recruited to be on the show. I immediately said yes. I didn't even read the goddamn contract. I just signed it. What was it? I didn't know the power. I'm in. Just don't. Okay. So I signed that contract, sent it in probably the fastest return contract they'll ever see. And then two days before I was leaving for the show, I got a call from Mark Burnett's office saying, I'm sorry, they've changed their mind, but they would be happy to consider me as a fallback. Now, I would rather be told I'm ugly and dead than to be called a fallback, okay? And ask any girl. Nobody wants to be a fallback, right, okay? Right, right. And so at first, I could yeah. not believe it. And so I managed to squeeze out of the woman who had called on Mark's behalf, who is she? Who is she? She wasn't supposed to tell me. Of course she did. I looked her up, and just as I expected, she was a long, blonde-haired, blonde bombshell with big boobs. I'm of like, course. Okay, I get it. This is about picking a younger chick. Just like the diner, by the way, with the boobs. I don't know. The oh, boobs yeah. are a reoccurring he's, he's theme here. Reoccurring theme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate them all. If you got big boobs and you're blonde, forget Screw it. Screw you. Not literally. Right. Yeah. So to, to shorten this story, which it needs shortening, is I sat down and I wrote an email to Mark Burnett immediately, and I banged it out, probably the quickest email I ever wrote, and I said, I appreciate you considering me as a fullback, but I'm accustomed to coming in first. And then I banged it, he bang, banged it, he bang, told him like five or six landmark things that happened to me when I was rejected, where I turned them around, it became my biggest success. And I put at the end, I have great respect for you and your business as I have respect for myself and mine, but I'm buying my own plane ticket and I expect to be on that plane next Tuesday. And I forgot to tell you, the proposal I made was invite both women out to compete for the seat. And you want to know something? When he read the email, I found out from his assistant much later, he said, that woman's a shark. Yeah. He invited me out. I went out, competed for the seat and won the seat. So nothing comes that easy. But the lesson there is, look at me now. I have investments in over 14 great businesses. I'm really affecting 14 great entrepreneurs who deserve the success, their lives. And if I hadn't written that email, none of that would have happened. There is so much power in coming back swinging in the face of, of a reject. And yet for so many of us, including myself, there is such a human need to feel sorry for yourself. I have declared war on the need to feel sorry for myself. I don't allow it. Because while you're feeling sorry for yourself, somebody else is running away with the cake. You know what I mean? So it, it is really just typical business for me. A uh, good thing in the air, and then bang, a slam. And But most people don't think you can turn it around by coming back. And that is a, my most recent example of turning something around. Right. And it's, do you think Mark Burnett was some kind of evil genius where he thought it was going to be you the whole time, but he's like, we're going to set her up and see oh, if she no, does no. that? No, no, that phone call was a little too uh, sincere. I was Damn it. as they say, out, U-T. 
Right. So let's talk about those kind of 14 entrepreneurs, if you will. Yeah. And, and I've watched it. I, you know, again, being a sh kind of a Shark Tank junkie, I, I'm always interested to see why you guys invest or don't in certain things. Mm -hmm. And some are yeah. very obvious, right? Like someone just doesn't have their stuff together and they're just like yeah. shenanigans. You're like, okay, that's not going to happen. But yeah. you seem, you know, what I've noticed is you have certain ones where you're like, you know what? I love your idea and I don't like you. So I'm not investing. And I've okay. also seen the opposite where the idea was decent, but you really like the person, you know? Mm -hmm. So can you tell us like a little bit kind of what goes in your mind and how much, you know, you know, when you see these people that come out there, what made the decisions to go yes on certain ones? Yeah, well, for me, it's all the people. You know, I don't think I ever invested in a product. Right. That didn't like the person. That's the hello, how do you do? I have to really fall in love with the entrepreneur. Now, what makes you love one guy or gal over another guy? I'll tell you what it, uh, what goes on in my head. I think first and foremost, do they have the energy to drive a business? I've never seen a successful entrepreneur who didn't have a shitload of energy. So I'm looking at the energy level. Okay. And you know, people get hyped up to pitch. I thought that, but it's different than energy level. The energy right. level feel coming at you. I want to hear. I want to feel that coming at me kind of thing. Okay. The other thing, equally important, is I'm really trying to size them up and say, asking myself one question: Do I trust them? Mm -hmm. Would they be grateful when there's a pile of money on the table and it's got to be divvied up ten years from now? Mm -hmm. Okay. Because I really don't want to get in bed with anybody who's going to make me miserable. What do right. I need? Okay. Right. So I want to be able to trust someone. And you know what tests I use? And only a girl can think of this one. I picture the entrepreneur, I, and I do it each and every entrepreneur, but I'm not sure about the trust factor. I'll say, okay, if I had to throw my little Katie, who's six, or when Tommy was a baby, into this kid's arm, in the, if there was a war on, could I come back in five years and would my kid be okay? Mm -hmm. And you want to know, if I have any qualms, I, I would never trust my kid with this guy or gal. Just intuitively, I'm out right away. I might milk it out a little bit, but already I'm out. Because I just don't really trust their long-term ability to come through. And that's really what you want. Because believe me, every single entrepreneur on Shark Tank is filled with passion with their new ideas. It's like a guy who's hot to trot on a first date that he wants to get to bed. Of course, they're breathing heavy. Right. Let me tell you. Trying to close. Marry that girl. The girl marry him and see how hot to trot they are to get through the rough times. That's what counts five years out. And that's really what I'm looking for, that long-term passion. If somebody's going to stick with it, get through the humps break through whatever's in the way and reach that finish line because otherwise I'm putting the money in up front I'm gonna blow that money and I'm not gonna get to the finish line with that entrepreneur so that's really what I'm trying to size up you know the business I've had a few businesses already we totally reinvented the product it's meaningless if you've got a great entrepreneur they're open-minded they want to do well they switch they don't argue with them blah, blah, blah. you can reinvent anything in their mm -hmm. category but you can't reinvent the entrepreneur you are stuck with that person or blessed with that person depending upon who you pick yeah, the people with tunnel vision seem to be a little bit of an issue. You know, like when they come in, they say, this is the vision, this is where exactly it's going to go, you know, mm -hmm. and it's like, well, and then when it's people start suggesting things to them, they're like, no, no, oh, yeah. no, as opposed to thinking, oh, that could be an interesting option to go. That seems to be yeah. flexibility seems to be something that's Or not even fun. enough of a politician to pretend they're listening. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And, and the thing is, and you're looking for the, for the long-term relationship, not the one-night stand. Right? Oh, definitely. And their, their ability to keep running uh, when all the chips are down, let me tell you. Because that is, in essence, the thing that divides the really successful people than everybody else. I'm telling you, I have worked with so many successful people and unsuccessful, and that's the million-dollar card. How good you are at rejection. That really is it. Right, because it's easy when things are going well, right? Yeah. You know, one other thing that happens on the show that you don't realize at home that we have a great advantage at sitting on the, in, the top, in the tank. 
I don't think it's a secret. Maybe it is, but now it's not. Spill anymore. it. Spoiler alert. Here we go. <laughs> what we do is we sit, and when that poor entrepreneur walks through the tunnel of sharks and stands in the middle of the set, uh, they are they have an earpiece in, and the producer is saying to them, "Don't talk until you're spoken to." And prior to standing in that spot, they really were ready to come out, geared up to start right. pitching. And then they're telling the sharks, "Don't talk to them for five minutes." No way. There's yeah. a five-minute stare down. A five-minute stare down. And let me tell you, you already know within three minutes who's confident, who's not. People, and then they get the big zoom cameras that get the sweat on the brow. You know, this whole thing—it's a terrible thing to do. But let me tell you, it's very useful to the sharks. Because you could sit there and watch how someone unravels under pressure. Right. Yeah. Huh? I, that'd and be so, so telling. That would be so interesting so to see what people do. I can't tell you how quickly I conclude I'm out just on that one thing. Before they say a word, I'm out. <laughs> the guy's crumbling, you know? That's unbelievable. I mean, yeah, I, I can't imagine the shenanigans. And actually, a lot of the questions, I want to do kind of a speed round of some questions that uh, were submitted by our Rise Nation peeps. Uh, we had, I was like, does anyone have a question for Barbara? Flood. Flood of, flood of death came in, so I had to be the moderator here. I chose some quick ones, and then um, okay. uh, some of my favorite quick ones here. All right, so here's what Chris Farrell wanted to know. He said that he's heard, I don't know what that means, where he heard, the grapevine, um, that of all the sharks, mm -hmm. Barbara is the one with the most success so far from the various investments. Is that true? I don't know if that's true. I know that I have had very good success with most of my deals. I've had a few clunkers, I must say. But you want to know something? Women will admit whether they have a clunker or not. The men don't. Okay. According to my male colleagues, every deal is successful. Everyone's a win. I'll never know. I really don't know. And Melody, uh, she, Melody Forbes on asked, I thought this was an interesting question. She said, you know, there's a stereotype that females get taken advantage of in business. Um, you know, that, that's out there. And, and actually, I wanted to ask this because that was my major in college was women's studies of all random things. Um, and I'm interested in your take. Uh, she wants to know your take on that. Why does she feel that's a stereotype and is it true? Yeah, it's definitely true that females are taken advantage of or not seen as equals at the front gate in any situation. But you want to know? I use it to my advantage. I love knowing that my competitor on the other side of the table thinks less of me than I mm -hmm. think of myself, because you could come back and slam the guy from behind. So yes, it's true, but it's also true that it's an advantage, or certainly that's my own view of it. I have used that again and again in my life. I've even played the dumb blonde on more occasions than you can imagine. If I could fake a southern accent, I would pile that on as well. But there's something to be said about being a card player who's not showing all their cards. So who cares if you have the disadvantage? Let me tell you, the minute you walk into a room filled with guys in suits, with dark suits on and little ties and little white shirts, that's all they can do. You walk in in a micro mini in a red suit, you're noticed. That's an advantage. A guy can't do that. Stick it out from the pack. Okay? So, no. Yes, yes, it's true, but you have to remember that the other flip side of that is also true, is you can play it to your advantage. Okay, very cool. All right, so Sheila Butler wanted to know, she said, uh, in, in Barbara's book and interview, she discusses the fact that it's very, very tough to have a family life and grow a business at the same time. Uh, what's one piece of advice she would give to the woman who wants both. We got good questions. By the way, I should just not even come up with anything. I should just go with all theirs. I should just, I don't even, I don't even need it. Right. Okay. Well, remember, I built a giant business without children. I lived like a man. I had one responsibility, and that was me. I had to be responsible for me. I didn't have my first child until I turned 46. It took me seven years to finally get pregnant. I had a very rough road there, but again, persistence went out there. But I built a business, and then very late in life, I started building a family. So I would say 
you have to stage yourself if you're really serious about building a giant business because it's going to take 150% effort. Once I had a business that I was the mom putting in 150% effort and then I was the mom at home wanting to be 150% mom, something had to give and I sold my business. Thank God I had that equity to sell. Okay. But here's the thing. Along the way, now that I'm building many other businesses and I have two kids at home, you know what I found? I found that I had to give up immediately on this idea of finding a balance. Mm -hmm. You know Stereotypical I, word that's thrown out all the time. Right? And, and the worst part about it is it makes people aspire to it when, it's not, when it can't be done, in my right. opinion. Okay? So what I do instead is I build giant walls between my two lives. Okay. So when I walk into my apartment at night, 5.30, and I see my little do darling daughter, Kate, I might have another 50 things on my mind business-wise that I want to get done, but I click off my cell phone, don't check my texting, don't check my emails, which, and I'm a habit person, so I can really get addicted to that stuff. You know? but the addictive personality of Barbara Corcoran, right? Yeah, but at 6 o'clock the next morning, okay, I'll click, try to catch up on a little, and wait till Kate's out the door at 7.45, then I catch up and I arrive at the office at 9. All right, when I'm at work, God forbid anything should happen to my children, and it's terrible because to even think that, but nothing has ever happened. But if they have an accident at school, honest to God, Kate had some accident, wasn't so serious, they couldn't reach me. Why? Because I had my cell phone off, and that's all I had as a number for me. So I click off my family when I get to work because I can't do both. I can't run with both guns blazing, thinking about two responsibilities. You got to pick what your responsibility at what time in the day. That's the best advice I could give. I know oh, it's not very good. No, no, it's great because I have that trouble and I, I, I guarantee you a lot of people do that too. Whether it's whether they have kids, families or other whatever the other commitments might be, it's hard. And I, I find that too. Sometimes when I'm sitting here I'm like, you know, also you know, worrying about other family stuff during the day and vice versa. And I mm -hmm. think being able to do that is, is probably a skill that has to be developed over time for sure. And remember, women, much more than men, have a harder time with this because they right. have one reality they got to deal with, a timeline, and they get pregnant. Right. And you want to know? We don't do that. We don't, get, we don't get pregnant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not that I know of. Uh, <laughs> final question, Barbara, and this actually leads into some of the stuff that you're up to now. I know you have a big event coming up and all that kind of shenanigans. Uh, I don't know why I keep saying shenanigans today. I must be stuck in my head. I must have seen that in the movie. That happens. I've only said it 82 times in this interview. Uh, so Kyle Zaylor, he wants to know, I'd love to know what's next for BC. Apparently, you're on the initial level with Kyle. Uh, I want, I'd love to know what's, ne what's next for BC, what's on her radar, and what's motivating her now. Well, what gets me up in the morning is to see how far I could go with the entrepreneurs, no doubt at all. That's yeah, what I have sure. in my mind all day long. What I'm also doing is a lot of television work as a real estate expert. I kind of have two people I'm trying to juggle between, all right? And now as an entrepreneur expert, so I'm juggling all of that. But what I'm really looking forward to in the fall is the October 4th Entrepreneur Conference because we're doing that, and I really think it's needed. There's probably other ones out there. I didn't bother to check as usual because yeah. I never read anything, but whatever. But all I'm focused on is making sure this one's terrific in New York for one day only, all right? But more than anything else, I'm focused on building these businesses. Same old, same old, nothing new, just new businesses. And we're going to have a double season of Shark Tank coming up. So if I usually collect five or six businesses per season that I pick to be my partners, I'll probably wind up with another 12. And so what am I doing? I'm interviewing like crazy people to hire. And uh, I think I've made a couple of really good 
picks because you got to build the organization to support it, you know? Yeah, very cool. So that event, we're going to link that up. We're going to have shameless links for everything here. We're going to link up the books. Shameless links. Shameless links. Below, we're going to have the book linked up. Get it. I wasn't kidding. I was not BSing to get on Barbara's good side. It is a good, it is a, it is a very good book. Read it. It's a quick read as well. Shark Tank uh, is on uh, 8 o'clock. That's when the new season's Eastern on ABC. And then Business on Edge is the conference, and that's going to be in October, one day only in the NYC, right? Yep, October 4th. And, and any other, uh, as we wrap up here, Barbara, any other shout-outs, company plugs for any of the entrepreneurs that could, that could use some links and uh, anything that you're working on that we want to shamelessly link up? I am more than happy to do so. We'll you are a sweetheart. Why don't, I send you, why don't I send you the links to all of my great entrepreneurs? We will link up every what single one say? of them. Deal? You'll have it within two minutes. Okay, deal. So we're okay. going to link them all up. Go in the show notes on the rise top.com. Barbara, this has been a blast today. And I think it was a good choice going with the white thing over the, you oh, know, with the outfit. About that, yeah, right? it brings the okay. pearls out. So good luck with everything. And, and uh, I'm sure uh, all is going to be a big success as always for you. It's a real pleasure. Thanks a lot. Go to bed now. You, ha you, you exhaust me. You have so much energy. And that's a wrap, my friends. I uh, hope you enjoyed this with Barbara Corcoran. And just, yeah, some reminders. We, we talk about those companies. Uh, I got the list from Barbara. Those are all linked up below in the show notes. So everything that she's invested in on Shark Tank, you can check that out. Uh, Shark Tales is also linked up and also her event coming up in New York City. So I hope you enjoyed that one. And one final reminder, of course, you know, just a big thank you to, to you for tuning in. And also for supporting via, you know, our sponsors like GoToMeeting by Citrix. And, and you know what? They're the reason that the show, that I'm able to do it for you guys and able to make it free and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's thanks to sponsors like Citrix Online. So if you want to check out GoToMeeting, it's an unbelievable product. Uh, you could try it for free. Oh, man, you could do uh, you could do stuff now on your iPad. You could do video conferencing on your iPad. It's just really, really cool stuff that you can do. Um, head over to gotomeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, enter the promo code RISE for 45 days free on me. Reminder, new schedule. It's upcoming Wednesday's new episode. So if you're if you're subscribed uh, via email, which is uh, you can subscribe at therisetop.com slash VIP. Or if you're subscribed, uh, you know, via iTunes or anywhere else, um, just a heads up that new programming schedule begins on Wednesday. So it's going to be Wednesdays, 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 Wednesdays. Just want to remind you of that. I will see you next time. I'm David Seitman Garland. And remember, when some fluff, you know what to do. Go pet a bunny. <laughs>